To those listening, welcome, as we explore wonders and mysteries and journey into the realm of unknown. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown, episode 74, where... We're very slowly creeping up to 100 after all this time. Uh, If you are not familiar and you are new to the show, we are a paranormal podcast that talks about all sorts of weird, strange stuff all over the world. And for the past month, uh, the month of May, that is, we have been focusing on more or less monsters, legends, and creatures and stuff based out of here in Pennsylvania, which... Is where I'm based. It's where we talk about a lot of stories. We are a Philly-based podcast, and this month has been fun so far. We've kind of talked about some more legendy type of stuff, and then we talked more of like a local town's lore, and we're just going to continue that trend overall. And yeah, I the, uh, update wise with things who people who have returned to the show. There's not really too much to talk about. I am recording this one. Pre- pretty close to um, when the last two episodes were recorded that you heard and they should have been uploaded on the week of like the 9th I think of May but this one should be uploaded the second to last week but update wise there's not really too much going on it's still you know chugging along work's been insane life's been crazy but it's been good uh, I am actually recording this currently, um, standing up and on top of the box for my uh, mattress because I'm moving soon. And once I move, I'm going to be able to record way more often. So get ready for that. And I think I kind of even teased in the last episode that um, I'm going to try to get uh, additional uploads up there every now and then for you guys to check out. If not here, then most definitely over on Patreon which is going to have a bonus episode after this upload. But I'm teetering on the idea of getting like additional weekly bonus episodes up onto the Patreon. Uh, so if you are interested in that, that's uh, patreon.com slash realm of unknown if you want to check those out. And again, after this episode is uploaded, there will be a bonus episode where we talk about two pretty interesting topics. Uh, one is a follow-up from last week. If you guys are following the news, there's some uh, discussions with UFOs going on. And the other one is a sort of uh, retrospective type discussion thing. I don't want to tease it too heavily because it's definitely not the larger of the two episodes uh, or I should say topics in the, uh, the bonus episode. So what are we talking about today with all the rambling being done and over with? So we're continuing the trend of talking about a creature here in Pennsylvania And this time, we are specifically honing in on a creature that has some relationship to specific industry here in PA. And if you're not familiar with PA, it's a trade, it's an industry and trade that, you know, most states kind of have, especially within the time period that we're going to talk about. Uh, But in PA, it was definitely very prevalent, specifically with coal and uh, I believe Iron, I could be wrong though. I'm pretty, but coal, I know 100%. And we're talking about mining. So, mining is a very ancient profession. Like I just said, uh, it's pretty much all over the United States. Um, moving, you know, obviously when we first started here on the east, people kind of took all over, and then slowly 
pushed out to the West Coast. People are very familiar with, you know, the uh, the gold rush. I think there was like a, even a silver rush at one point over there. Uh, so mining's always been a thing. It's it's always around. It's very dangerous, but it's always been an industry that has been here. And uh, coal mines, like I mentioned in PA, have been a staple of the state. There's many, many a coal towns here in PA getting anywhere from like central up to north. Pretty much like once you leave Philly in the uh, in the uh, southeast corner, uh, moving all the way up through, you'll hit coal towns, either still established ones or ones that have very much uh, diminished over the years uh, as people moved elsewhere or the industry dried up. Uh, but it is a very, very prevalent aspect of PA. So what about mining is, or I should say, what about mining are we going to talk about today? So working down in the mines, you're underground, it's super dark, like I mentioned, it's dangerous. And it's been around for so long that it's no surprise that the mining industry itself holds a lot of, you know, century-old superstitions with it that are passed down from mining group to mining group to families to just general areas over the years. And among the many stories, the folk songs, the superstitions, the legends of coal miners uh, and other miners of this area comes a legend of a creature or creatures that live with and work alongside the miners themselves. And the most notable of these creatures is that known as the Tommyknockers. The Tommyknockers, which is pronounced knackers, but I'm going to say knockers because I'm not going to pronounce them knackers throughout. They are described as a small, little, like, elf-like, goblin-like men who work alongside the miners down in the mines. The name knockers is, again, pronounced knackers, and it comes from the knocking sound on the mine walls that are oftentimes tied with uh, and shortly alluding to uh, potential cave-ins within the mines themselves. Uh, this is typically caused by creaking of the earth or the timbers that are supporting the mines. And uh, some have now attributed that to the Tommyknockers. And some believe that the sounds of the hammering knocking, a much more loud and uh, violent one, are seen in a more malevolent light, and that is indicative or a omen of uh, potential death or injury of the miners or those working down there. Others, however, see the knockings as a more benevolent thing, and they see it as a well-meaning you know, warning to the miners that are down there that, hey, a life-threatening collapse is very imminent. Get the hell out of the mind. And even more others uh, going further, some of them believe that the knocking sounds actually are not either of those things that are not, you know, an uh, a omen of a potential collapse, but rather that the knocking sounds were there to lead them to a particularly rich uh, vein of ore or some other sign of just general good luck for the miners themselves or the business or whomever just happens to be down in the mines. So it varies between omen of death or good luck. So it varies. And obviously that makes sense as to how widespread this story is. 
So the creatures are, again, known as being malevolent or good in their actions. But generally speaking, a lot of people do believe that they are mischievous in nature. They're described as stealing miners' tools as well as their food or rations. In between, they're either, again, malevolent or benevolent helpers uh, aspects of themselves. And uh, when these little like gnome-like creatures were good, however, again, they were thought to bring miners favors and wealth. And when they were bad, they would bring apparently nothing but misery, injuries, death to anyone who doubted their powers or even just didn't believe in them. So you could just be minding your own business and they're just like, well, we don't like you because you don't see us or you don't even acknowledge us. So we're going to cave this mine in on you and all your friends and co-workers. So they're a little, little bit of an asshole. The legend of the Tommyknockers and the general mythology surrounding them was brought to the U.S. in or around the 1820s. It's I generally am going to say around because giving a very specific year doesn't really make too much sense to me. Um, but that a lot of places will say 1820. I'm going to say around that general time frame. And this is when a lot of Welsh and Cornish immigrants came to the United States, some coming to western Pennsylvania, as we mentioned, uh, in order to go and work at the coal mines up in the area. And generally, for the most part, a lot of them stopped here on the East Coast first, because obviously we're right there after you're immigrating over, so you're able to get to work a lot quicker. And a lot of mines were also established at that time, and the United States was obviously not as big as it was at the time of eighteen, the early 1800s. So with them, they believe that the Tommyknockers are sort of sprite-like spirits who dress up like miners or imitate them in some way. And they perform very similar duties as these said miners. They pretty much just copy them and do the exact same jobs. These impish or gnome-like men, it's pretty much any description of a tiny fey creature. So gnome, imp, dwarf, like it's all over the place as to what they really are. Think of just like a garden gnome generally, but as like a miner. And that's a pretty good description of what these look like. Essentially, a lot of people describe it as the Cornish equivalent to the Irish leprechauns or the general sort of overview of what the English have as brownies. Um, the Germans also have a name for them, and both of the names are very... I'm going to try to pronounce them, but just trust me, I could not find uh, pronunciations, or at least if it's pronunciated somewhere, it was not within a short uh, Google search. So the first one is the Borgister, and then the other one is the uh, Bergamalium. And both either translate to mountain ghosts or little miners. So either or, but again, very similar descriptions as to what the Cornish and the Welsh were having. Now, the Tommyknockers, again, were imported into the United States by the Cornish and Wel uh, the Welsh, and they were very important to those miners. They were a very key staple to their beliefs and superstitions, again, of working in the mines. So much so that many of them would actually refuse to enter mines 
unless the mining company ensured them that the Tommyknockers were on duty alongside them. This practice actually had a sort of saying that went along with it of literally Tommyknockers were on duty, and it became a very commonplace amongst uh, mine owners at that time. And stories of Tommyknockers in general very quickly spread across the United States, particularly, obviously, in the mining industry, and it continued to grow traction, as I mentioned earlier, with the California Gold Rush. A lot of the beliefs ended up over on the West Coast due to this. And obviously, it's, it's due to many of the Cornish and Welsh miners traveling West and bringing the superstitions and legends along with them. Both friend or foe, this, you know, the Tommyknocker can be, it's generally used as a way to explain the unexplainable in relation to mining and being down in the mines. For instance, if the miner's light were to go out, like their headlamp or whatever lantern or light they had with them at that time, and stranded them in complete and total darkness... That was the Tommyknockers. They were pulling a trick on you. They were being a prankster. Anytime that a miner was able to very quickly escape from a tunnel collapse or narrowly avoid a very severe injury, that was, again, thanks to the Tommyknockers because they were there to help you. And as the legend spread, so too uh, miners came to believe that the Tommyknockers were more than just kind of sprite-like entities, they sort of began to associate them in some regards to rather being a gnome, like, physical little creature to being the spirits of other dead miners that were warning their fellow co-workers or miners from years forwards of uh, imminent dangers and uh, trying to look out for them generally as they go to work. And miners would actually leave offerings of either food or little items or trinkets as a sign of gratitude and uh, thanks in order to essentially repay them and also in some regards stay on the good side of these creatures because again... If you piss them off, they can just cause cave-ins. They can steal all your stuff. They can turn off all your lights, and you're screwed. So it's probably a good idea to stay on the good side of these things. There is a little side note that the, this is for probably for a lot of things, the origins of the Tommyknockers may or may not have some slight anti-Semitic stuff in relation to them, specifically with their like main origin. However, it seems like it's very much deviated from that once it came to the Americas. Again, though, it's very hazy. I only saw it in like one or two sources as I was looking through things. And I don't know if that's because people didn't want to talk about it, but th there's some uh, aspects that the Tommyknockers are actually Jewish spirits that were the ones that uh, crucified Christ and therefore now they're like spirits that do stuff in it's confusing it makes no sense and obviously again it's slightly anti-semitic in some ways but it's an aspect of stuff you'll probably find if you look them up so I just wanted to briefly mention it as we talk about kind of what they are um, but again it's a very it's a thing that very much was not associated with how 
they ended up being seen as in uh, the United States um, as they kind of pushed more into like the past minor spirit type aspect of things. Now, in some mines uh, where the Tommyknockers' presence were known to be pretty much overwhelmingly malevolent, a lot of the miners would just not work. Like, the mine would be forced to close down because the men who worked there were in so much fear of this spirit that they refused to go down into the mines, they refused to work ever, and some of them refused to just be near the mine overall. So the the mine the mining company would just like go under uh, unless they shut down the mine or sold it off to someone else. And uh, when the mines did play out, however, the legend di- uh, continued on. And in instances in which the mines would shut down or you know ended up running dry in some way, the story of the Tommyknockers actually has an explanation as to what happens to them, in which the Tommyknockers will actually find quote-unquote work in the homes of or i should say if they first off will try to find work in other mines obviously because that's what they like to do but if the mine shuts down or dries up and a lot of this i think kind of stems from the era in which mining kind of was no longer a staple of like a town like a town was just no longer a quote-unquote mining town and it became a lot more like industrialized uh, and more commercial rather than just people going down there with pickaxes and lanterns. The legend sort of spurred into the Tommyknockers finding work in the homes that surround the old mine shafts, like the people in the town, essentially. Kind of very similar to like, again, brownies or like Tom Twos or stuff like that. And the superstition says that people or family members who passed away or had some sort of disaster uh, in these houses that surround the mine shaft allegedly are foretold of these impending dangers by a knocking sound on the house itself or inside the house uh, by an unseen force, uh, by an unseen individual, and is just this overhanging omen that like, hey, stuff's about to happen we're here still. And um, it's sort of a, a story that continued outside of the mining industry as, as a whole. So uh, beliefs in these uh, little miners remained pretty relevant for the most part uh, and remained pretty strong well into the 20th century. Like I know we were talking about this uh, reaching the United States in the early 1800s. Obviously, these things were already around well before that in the uh, countries and belief systems from Europe uh, before they came over here. But they lasted here in the United States well into the 20th century, so much so that in 1956, 1956, that's less than 100 years from uh, ago, the owners of a very large mine in California were deciding to seal up the entrance in order to close off the mine. And in response to this, there was actually a group of miners who held the belief in, or at least knew of the superstition of the Tommyknockers, and they actually circulated a petition demanding that the mine owners open up the entrance in order to let the Tommyknockers free so that they could go and find work in other mines and the surrounding area. And they won. They, they won this argument, and the owners complied. They opened up the mine in order to let them out. 
uh, in then closing it back up again, which is just bizarre and so weird to me that that happened. That literally happened 40 years before I was born. <laughs> like, it, it seems like, oh, this is superstition. It's so long ago. It's like, nah, nah. It's like, this was in the 50s, the late 50s. Like, we went to the, the moon. Uh, I mean, quote unquote, if you believe that, knock, knock. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do some uh, conspiracy stuff later on down the road. So, foreshadowing. This was only 13. Uh, yeah, 13. I'm doing the math right. This is only 13 years before we went to the moon. And people are are having petitions in order to let gnome-like sprite miners free <laughs> from a, from a mine, uh, so they, they they can get work. They unionized four gnomes in in the 1950s. <laughs> and aside from that, though, into more modern times, into the 21st century, you don't really hear much about the Tommyknockers. You you don't hear about them very much, and I think that has to do a lot with the decline in, again, the overall industry of mining, stemming it away from, you know, being a staple of, like, a town, of being a whole lifestyle, essentially, for a lot of people and a lot of families of that time, uh, to just being more commercial. And so the stories kind of went away. Why do you need Tommyknockers when you got a giant-ass truck that's the size of a building carrying out your stones so it's probably why it died off uh but that's being said though there are a few appearances of the name tommy knocker in more recent years uh particularly the probably the most prevalent um aspect of that uh would be from stephen king uh being the title of a book called tommy knockers and he himself describes it as a quote awful book but it's there, and it's also the name of a brewery in Colorado Springs, and overall, though, it's just kind of been, for the most part, forgotten in a lot of, uh, you know, American folklore, especially here in PA, uh, as, like, a forgotten aspect of the Pennsylvania mining history. I'm sure if you were a fanatic and you really look into it or you're from these small towns, you probably do know about it, but if you're, like, from the city or you're from the suburbs around it, and you know generally that PA is a mining town, that it has a very rich history of, a, of having a lot of coal mining towns in it. It's a mining state. It's a mining town. You pro- I, I probably will say that in the general sense, people don't use or know of the name Tommyknocker. And if they do, they probably don't know the full history or extent of the legend itself. And I've always thought that was kind of neat, just learning a little you know, quirky things of what little, like, it seems like a very mundane thing, but it's like, oh, there's knocking sounds in a cave of all places. But if you look into it, it's way more in depth. Like there's whole stories and history, centuries old history around it, a little gnome-like person. And to kind of continue on and keeping the legend around, People who do explore mines, especially around here in PA and stuff, occasionally, and again, these are abandoned mines, they're closed up, they're not being used anymore, Uh, on a lot of occasions, people do report hearing very strange sounds in the mines when they they should be alone. And oftentimes, a lot of people do report them to sound, as they say, to resemble a very faint knocking sound in the distance, almost as if 
the Tommyknockers are still working in the mines to this day. And yeah, that's that's all we have for the Tommyknockers here in Pennsylvania and here in the United States in general. Uh, the little elf-like, gnome-like little sprites of uh, mines and mine shafts all over the country and in parts of Europe as well. So if you are ever exploring a mine, I actually last time I went to one was in 2018 uh, when I went to Jim Thorpe and had a really great time there. And we actually explored a mine. We went on a tour. And I can very much say that if you were to just go into a mine by yourself and you're there by yourself, like we heard lots of sounds, but it's because other tours were happening other things were in the distance, and even though you can't see them, the sound travels, and it's very bizarre. It's very eerie always because it's not a familiar or comfortable environment that people are used to, and I think that that kind of helps keep the superstition of strangeness kind of alive, and I think that's a really interesting thing. And when I came across <laughs> literally like Googling lists of strange PA creatures, and Tommyknockers popped up, I was like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, we're going to talk about this because this is a very interesting topic. And it's a lot more in-depth, I would have to say, than the whole Raystown Ray. Like, I'm sure people from Raystown are probably annoyed with me for, like, bashing on it, but come on, guys. Like, you're, you're going to have a Nessie-like creature in a man-made lake that apparently has been around for super, super long, but the lake itself wasn't around until the 70s? Come on. Uh, but yeah, that's all we have for the Tommy Knockers. I hope you guys did enjoy this topic as we continue to go through strange creatures here in the United States. Not the United States, in uh, Pennsylvania. Slip of the tongue. And last uh, next week will be the last installment of it. I have a pretty fun one. It's a little bizarre and a little bit of a gray area, so the research is going to be a little strange and all over the place, but bear with me on it. I kind of wanted to round it out with a oddity of oddities let's just say uh with pa legends so aside from that i hope you guys did enjoy this week's episode if you wish to support or help out the podcast in any way please if you could leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you listen to apple spotify now has it um i was about to say shopify that's not right uh spotify uh good pod stitcher wherever you listen to it really does mean a lot and it really does go a long way in helping with the algorithm and kind of boosting up the show because heavens knows i am not very good with consistency and i am trying to get better with that and leaving a good review really does help and mean a lot and if you do want to help the show in a more significant ish slash financial way and you also want some extra goodies in the meantime, uh, you may be interested in helping out by checking out the Patreon. As we mentioned in the top of the episode, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown. The link is in the description of every episode for you, where we have a one, three, and five dollar tier list that gets you bonus episodes, weekly bonus episodes, I should say, after every upload of the main show. There will be one uploaded right after this if you want to go and check it out. 
and uh, polls, behind-the-scenes content, bonus series, all sorts of goodies that you might want to see, as well as some uh, information slash photos and videos and audio recordings from investigations that I've been on in and around the Philadelphia area at haunted locations that we've talked about on this show. So if you want to check that out, again, that's patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown. And in the meantime, too, be sure to check out the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to with social media in order to keep up with some behind the scenes stuff or discussions. Or if you just want to submit some topics for us to discuss either here or on the Patreon, definitely do so. It's realm of unknown everywhere. You'll see me regardless of where you go to. If you see a little orange text and a sort of tannish gray skull, that's me. It, it's going to be me everywhere. Uh, it's pretty much the same name. Even on TikTok, it's Realm of Unknown. And uh, I'm trying to get stuff up there as well. That's all I have for this week. I hope you guys did have a great time and I hope you have a great rest of the week in the meantime until I see you next. And remember to stay spooky. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh.